Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? It's your favorite semi-sober podcast, a.k.a. the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. Joined, as always, the Mikhail to my bird, Chad Sowash, is in the house. And today we welcome Mary Elcordy, president and CEO of Elcordy Global Strategies. Well, hello. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to be here with both of you. Oh, you look excited. Lies. <laughs> Lies? No, not at the moment. If you asked me like 20 minutes ago, maybe it would have been like, eh. but now I know how awesome you guys are. And She's I'm pumped, so, man. She's been in the green so room for five, pumped. 10 minutes. We, uh, we're best Oof. friends now. We're best friends. Obviously. Mary, our listeners, however, don't know you more than likely. So give us a Twitter bio about what makes Mary tick. I uh, started a PR firm three and a half years ago after I got laid off from the pandemic. It's grown to a team of about 22 over the past three and a half years. I never managed people in my life besides uh, working in radio with a soundboard guy and and an intern. So you guys can appreciate what an actual radio team looks like. Uh, I go to school at night. I graduate in two months from my second grad degree because I am that nerd. And uh, I'm having a good time talking to both of you. All right, all right, all right. Radio, what did you do in radio? You had soundboard guys, all of that. Were you a, a technician? Were you a production no, person? No, I uh, produced four shows a day at WABC. And oh, then I wow. was a co-host uh, and producer for D.L. Hughley's podcast for three years. No. Yes. And my nickname was White Chocolate. White chocolate. I lo- and we've got white chocolate. Why did you lead with that? that? Escalated quickly. I'm also known as white chocolate. I mean, I, I'm I'm allegedly serious sometimes, but strong on the alleged. 
White chocolate. That is awesome. That is awesome. I don't know I where we go it. from white chocolate, Chad. I, I think we're done. In. I think we'll we go ahead and just wrap up. Thanks, Mary. Appreciate the time. Anytime. I'm going to go ahead. We're going to talk about remote work today, right? The, the war on, on remote. Let's go. And I want to throw this out right now. The, the, the war on remote work, to me, it sounds like it's dead. Zoom just called back their employees. It, it's like they're boiling the frog. Everybody's trying to boil the frog. They, they want them in for a couple of a couple of days, but we all know what that's going to end up in back in five days, right? So can we just go that. ahead? Can we just say that this thing is dead? Zoom, the 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 prognosticator of working like we're doing this podcast it's like right Pliny now. Getting remote. married, like it's yes. over. It's it's over. It it's, never should have happened, and it did. It's done. So tell us tell us why remote still lives on, Mary. I think people have experienced what like a taste of freedom of having ability to manage your time outside of your hours. Like imagine, like I can't imagine spending two to four hours a day commuting to work every day. Like that's just like, I'm able to do other stuff with that time or I sleep so much more. Like I don't have bags under my eyes anymore. It's a beautiful thing. But I do think that there are some aspects that people miss in terms of the collaboration and being together and in person. And don't get me wrong. I like that, too. But I don't think it's like a necessary requirement every week. I just don't see that being the reality of what people need. And then from like as a business owner, I think we benefit so much from having an access of talent like all over the world, both from finding talent, but also fiscally, you know, you're able to have potentially better talent because you're able to convince them for lower prices because you're not making them go to work or because they can work from home or because of the flexibility. People value different things when you're doing negotiations for roles. Mm -hmm. So I think the second that you're requiring someone goes into the office and they give up their, their time with their kids or their ability to maybe go to school or do other things on the side, like that's, that's an opportunity cost for them and they should be compensated for that, I believe, in their opinion. So we've seen productivity go up from re- remote work. We've seen happiness happen with remote work. We've seen all these things and, and, and some of those points that you talked about, even finding better talent. Right. I mean, it's it's easier when you have a much larger pool. I mean, you, you can catch bigger fish. So why is it, do you think, that employers are trying to, to, to force this measure of everybody getting back to the office when all of the indicators are saying that doesn't make any sense. I think different companies have different motivations. Do they have leases that they've already spent money on for seven years that they Bingo. feel like they're just throwing the money away? But like also like the same point, like for instance, in New York City, I find it really ironic that they're forcing people to go back into the office. And then at the same time, they're bringing congestion pricing into the city and they're increasing subway fares. So to me, not to be, I used to work in politics for a long time. So to me, not to be that weird person, but like, are you just forcing people to come back to the city as like a business move to force people to spend money on the subway, to force people to spend $9 to go above 62nd Street in the city? So I think everyone has different motivations. I do think for some industries, the collaboration and in-person aspect maybe like a requirement, whether if they're like, if they're doing certain type of skills or industries that are very hands on, and you need like people in the same room. But I think for like industries, like service based industries, like what I do, I don't believe you really need that. And I think it also hurts the end consumer, right? Because 
if I have to get office space, I'm spending money on rent, which means I automatically have to increase my prices. So if you're trying to like have competitive prices and you're in a world where most there's a huge percentage of companies that have the ability to be remote, you're going to have a harder time, in my opinion, getting work because your prices will not be as competitive. I love that you mentioned uh, the commercial real estate aspect of this. And Chad and I talked recently about uh, WeWork essentially uh, pooping the bed, if you will, and talking about bankruptcy and going out of business. Now, Chad and I find that very curious because if any company should be working right now, it should be WeWork, where you have flexible leases and, and employees, individuals can come in and out. What's your read on the WeWork uh, meltdown? I think that, I mean, in terms of, I think they got, with any business, there's this really hard balance of like embracing the growth and opportunities and then moving too quick. I think they got um, stock happy, right? They got they got excited that all these people wanted these things um, to a point where they just signed up for so much before they could guarantee that. And I think a lot of businesses when you see like an influx of clients and I've even gone through that too, as a business where you like, you see so much potential, but then you, you can't predict the future. Like if like if someone talks about recessions and clients leave, right. But you just hired three people. And that's similar to what we work did, except on a much larger, massive scales with like things that they are guaranteed to for like seven years. Now, what I the irony is if they were, if they managed it better, I think that they would be doing very well now because for me, like a WeWork is something that I would consider in like a year year or two just to have like the option because people, some like some teams, like people want the option to come in once in right. a while um, or have a place to go to. Like I like I love my dogs, but like sometimes I just need to leave the house. Right. Like I call them my chief barking officers. They enter most of my conversations. It's a selling point <laughs> for some. But for me, by the time it's 6 p.m., like I honestly need to leave. Right. And I think some people with their kids around summer vacation, their husband's next to them their whole day. They have no separation of space or them their own time. I do think there is value to that. I just don't think you need the same level of real estate or space or commitment to like uh, a landlord or a commercial real yeah. estate property or even buying as a business. Yeah. Well, from one eccentric founder and Adam Newman, uh, let's go to another. So Chad and I have talked about sort of all the reasons that that the 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 uh, the ivory tower folks talk about coming back to the office. We've heard culture, we've heard just business sense. One of the more interesting one is that it's a morality question. I'm going to play a soundbite from Elon Musk uh, in an interview with CNBC and get your opinion. Is he going to carry the kitchen sinks with him this time too? Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a big believer that, that 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 people need to are more productive when they're in person. Look, there are some exceptions, but I, I kind of think that, that the whole notion of work from home is, is a bit like the, you know, the, the, the fake Marie Antoinette quote, let them eat cake. Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's, like, it's like, really, you're going to work from home and you're going to make everyone else who made your car come work, to the work in the factory? You're going to make the people who make your food that gets delivered, that they, they can't work from home? The, you know, the, the, the people that, that come fix your house, they, they can't work from home, but you can? Does that seem morally right? Mary, what's your take? For me, I think it's a stretch. I don't think, I think in any industry, for instance, you could complain about someone else, like the grass is always greener. But if you made a choice to be in a certain industry that you know is very hands-on, like building a car, yeah, obviously that's not going away as a remote work job anytime soon. And if that's something that is bothering you, 
then maybe find a different path. Um, I don't think it's a moral issue personally. I, I do think that when he makes an argument about productivity, I would humbly disagree. I think I work way more and I think my team does because they don't have that same like level of like, oh, let me go talk in the break room or let, let's go to happy hour. Let's leave for happy hour early. Or, you know, I need to head home because I have like two hours of traffic and I need to do whatever. I think people like, and it, and it becomes a problem, right? Actually on the flip side of like burnout, because it's so easy when I have no time, I just put, I put the computer on my lap and I go to work and there's no boundaries when you're in your home. It's really hard to create those boundaries with remote work. Home. So I, I would humbly disagree with a lot of that statement that he's made. I do think it's harder to monitor people, but I think in any office place, like let's say I'm like a hawk, no one likes a hawk. Like whether you're at home or you're in office. And the thing is, if you don't, in both scenarios, if someone's not doing the work and you have decent processes and a decent management, you'll notice that someone's slacking. Like I can tell when someone's slacking pretty quickly. Do I need to see them to know that? No. So I think you just pointed out something, which is really the problem. And and tell me what you think about this. I think this is a management issue more than it is a worker issue. Because if you don't have KPIs, you don't have goals, you don't have, you know, set phase lines for, for projects and things like that, and you are not managing those people to those, uh, then that's more management than it is the actual individual. Um, So to me, this is more control and micromanagement than it is anything else. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think that there's this concept of micromanagement that, as I was saying, like no one likes, right? But if you have to create processes, whether it's every company is different on how they measure their time, but it's about creating a process that works for your company. And with any business, there's a, 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 you know, a testing phase, right? You're piloting something, you're trying something out. It may take a couple of times to find what works best for your company, but I don't think it's at a place where it's like impossible for any company to be able to manage or be able to evaluate how effective their team is um, and can be. And it's also about having regular communication. Like I think one of the hardest things when we were starting is like getting people to use the phone, like to call. Even for me, when I'm a, I'm someone that's a very big multitasker. Like I may talk, you can tell, you guys can tell I can talk, right? But if someone messages me during work, I may send two words, right? Okay, cool. And people take that offensively. Like, oh, well, she, is that all she thinks. And there's a lot of, there's that tone, and that learning curve of knowing that person in a different mm-hmm. way than in person. And I think maybe that's where some of the disconnect is. But that's why it's like teaching a team to pick up the phone, to go on mm-hmm. the Zoom. And I think that's that's probably, I think, the hardest thing in terms of building a culture is building people who can actually communicate with one another outside of like being able to tap on their shoulder. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions? And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chat and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman, I'm talking about Text Kernel. Ah, okay, that makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, 
Text Kernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text Kernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. Text Kernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey. Kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener. Get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. <laughs> Are you struggling to attract the talent you need today? Do you lack visibility into where your recruitment ad dollars are really going? There's a better way. Acquire ROI is a programmatic job advertising platform built to optimize your budget and supercharge hiring. Acquire ROI automatically manages and measures recruitment ads across job boards so you can allocate your budget based on insights, not hunches. Get to quality candidates faster and cost-effectively scale hiring across roles, all while gaining complete visibility and control over your recruitment marketing investments. Say goodbye to manual guesswork, inconsistent performance, and wasted spending. And hello to optimized automated campaigns that produce qualified applicants. At Acquire ROI, we make job advertising easy. Visit us at acquireroi.com and start transforming your talent acquisition today. Right. But that's a that's a, that's a management point though. I mean, if you're if you're feeling that as the team, then that's a, a point where you have to manage your people. So, we've seen some companies and, and some leaders like, uh, you know, David Solomon and, and Jamie Diamond, where they've been very, very harsh around ensuring that everybody's back to work, period. So are the companies actually starting to take on the identities of their CEOs? And at that point, the culture of the organization is much like the CEO, right? So you can, you can start to, you can start to, at that point, understand where you want to work and where you don't want to work. Yeah. And I think that's one of the benefits of remote work because and freelancing, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I find when we're hiring more in today's world that more people are wanting to test out their employer before committing to their employer because they know that, especially in like these remote companies where you have no office, the identity really is the founder and how the founder sets that tone um, because everything, your whole identity is based on that really as a company. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think there's that, but I think people are more wanting to test out the relationship on both sides. Like a lot of the people that have become full-time with me were, were freelancers to start with, right? Because, and even like, and even when I hire certain people, they're like, oh, well, I have several clients and I'm just trying to figure out which one I want to work full-time for. Like the fact that someone can do that is amazing for them. Yeah. Autonomy. Let's talk about uh, demographics. So no one on this call is in the 18 to 34 uh, demographic. I am. However, <laughs> I am. I'm 33. Then you're perfect to answer this question. So, okay. but I do remember those days and I remember, you know, being new to the work world and realizing how important mentorship was and realizing how important seeing older uh, colleagues work and how work is done and how, you know, how the whole game is played. Are we 
alleviating a large part of the of the working community by making young people stay at home. In other words, I wanted to be in the office when I was 25. I wanted to get out of my apartment. I wanted to interact with people. I wanted to go to happy hour afterwards. Like that was that was something I looked forward to. Now that at the age I am now, less so. How does how does that whole thing play out? Do do the older folks have to come back for a few mentoring days? Uh, like what's your what's your vision on how that whole thing plays out? I think mentoring can happen virtually and in person. I think mentoring is an ongoing process, and I think as a company, well, it's for two things. If you're in that age group, whether you work for a company that does that does mentoring or not, there's a lot of opportunities and avenues to find mentors. And I think it's networking and really leveraging the network that you're building for yourself. But I think as a company, like it's also providing opportunities for people to learn. And then um, something that we are going to be doing, which is like teaming people up, like pairing people who have more experience versus those that aren't and just making them have like coffee once a month or chat and just as, as human beings, um, because just, even if you don't work with someone directly on a team doesn't mean they don't have value or insight to offer. And so I think it's just really how you structure that within your company. And then, you know, as a remote company, we typically do like a one year, like weekend thing where everyone comes to New York and people are like, Oh, are you going to do trust falls? I'm like, no, we're just going to, we're just going to have life experiences together, explore, get to know each other personally you know, do fun things, whether it's seeing a sports game or just taking a random walk in the city and get to know one another. And I think for me, building those memories and trust has more impact than me like doing like a, a leadership training meeting. Do you think it's important as an employer, if you have younger employees that you give them an outlet to get out of their apartment or living situation and, you know, go to a coffee shop or go to a, a workspace where they can have a desk if they want. Do you think that's important or no? For us, we don't care where you are per se, as long as you communicate. So I, I do think people should take advantage of it. Now, in terms of like a company sponsor, like workspace, I think if the company can do that, they should. Like, you know, we like I'm considering at some point getting like a small office or like a WeWork or something along those lines, just so that people have a place to go if they just want to leave and have the thing. But we also, I also try to plan like activities where I, where I am. So like going to a baseball game or doing something like that's not just surrounded with solely just alcohol, yep. right. Or solely <laughs> just coffee, like something that we actually bring people or together both. and have a good time or both. <laughs> I mean, I do love my coffee. I'm, I'm, I notoriously never finished my iced coffee, but I, I do love coffee. And I love my Irish coffees, Mary. Me too. I'll let you go on this one. What does work from home look like five years from now? I think work from home is going to stay. I think that there will be solutions that companies will have to create for those that want that balance and so that they can still maintain different types of talent, right? So like if you're looking to have that like in-office experience or options, I think it depends on where you're at as a company financially and size-wise, but I do think that there should be options for people to do that um, if they want that. But I don't think it, I don't believe it's going to be mandated for most companies because there's, there's going to be a, unless it's a company where you make badonk donk money, right? <laughs> like you're not going to be able to compete with the fact that people like the flexibility of having options. I think we're just in a society where people like options, right? I mean, sometimes too much, 
right? Like sometimes I say like, if it wasn't for my dogs, I would be traveling constantly. I'd have no home base. Uh, you know, so I think that there's some grounding that some people may not get if they really dive in too deep. But I do think that there's people like options. And the more that we're able to give reasonable options, like, you know, like, I think that there's this uh, thing in society where they expect so much from their employer, like not just like a place to work, but like I, I, I refer to myself as like a therapist half the day for like the team. Like I hear everybody's problems or, uh, you know, all these different hats that people have to, all these expectations of what an employment means. Right. And so I think it's just finding that balance of like, yes, I offer, I'm offering you a place to work and also offering you a place to grow and like place to like be able to provide for your family. But we also still have to get work done too. So I think it's that balance of like options, caring for people, but it's uh, being able to obtain and sustain and retain talent. It's all about the badonka donk money, Chad. Always about the badonka donk money. I just came up with that. <laughs> so, and you should keep it. You should definitely keep it. Mary, thanks so much for coming on the show. I want to uh, I, I want to give you a chance to, to, to tell the listeners where they can find out more about you, connect with you, and maybe even start a conversation around remote work, PR, who knows? Where do they find Mary? It's very easy to find me because I'm the only one with this last name and first name. So at Mary Elcordy, E-L-K-O-R-D as in David Y. Buy my Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all the places in the world. Excellent. She loves posting the shorts, Chad. So if you like your video shorts, <laughs> Mary's the one to follow. Video shorts. This was Hi. fun. Another one in the can. Nice to meet you, Mary. Hopefully we'll see you around New York City sometime. And with that, we out. We out. Wow. Look at you. You made it through an entire episode of the Chad and Chase podcast. Or maybe you cheated and fast forwarded to the end. Either way... There's no doubt you wish you had that time back. Valuable time you could have used to buy a nutritious meal at Taco Bell, enjoy a pour of your favorite whiskey, or just watch big booty Latinas and bug fights on TikTok. No, you hung out with these two chuggleheads instead. Now go take a shower and wash off all the guilt. But save some soap, because you'll be back. Like an awful train wreck, you can't look away. And like Chad's favorite western, you can't quit them either. We out. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.